Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solody. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are three months away from the NFL draft. Senior Bowl week has just wrapped up the entire week, Tuesday through Thursday, as well as the game. But before we get into that, Paul, I've got to get something off my chest and, and get your opinion on. We've talked on this show many times about how the NFL draft, when the, when the picks are set and they're announced, the NFL never quite has its stuff together as far as getting to the next pick, showing the highlights, that whole sequence on ESPN and the NFL Network. And now this year in the 2020 draft, they are actually going to use boats. I mean, what what do you make of this? Well, three things I make of this. For one, I hope to God one of these big bastards gets sick from from being seasick floating across the, the, the water there and pukes on Goodell's shoes just to teach him that this was a stupid idea. Two, I hope somebody accidentally turns the damn fountains in front of Caesars on in the middle of the draft and just throws this whole thing for a, a freaking loop. And three, I kind of sort of hope the boats aren't built to hold Makai Becton's big ass. That's me. <laughs> I'm right there, <laughs> right there with you on that. Uh, you know, this seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I mean, uh, you can't even get Pat <laughs> McKinley uh, from the Falcons a few years ago. Uh, probably – sailing across without screaming the F-bomb uh, three times and, and breaking a bunch of uh, FCC regulations. But it, that's besides the point. Let's get to the Senior Bowl. This is a week that we put a lot of stock into, and I emphasize week because the game itself is about 5% of what actually matters. Not the same talent as last year as far as the week itself because you had uh, 10 first-rounders uh, out of 32. Probably won't see 10 this year, but you're – probably going to see five to seven if I had to guess at this point and the big news of the week was or or the big story of the week as far as as it relates to where the Dolphins are picking fifth overall in the draft is a Justin Herbert and Jordan Love were both there and both of them appear to to have had a very solid week a very solid game too and you know it's 
nobody really stuck out. Uh, neither one really stuck out, but neither one really hurt their draft stock either. But overall, it looks like a B plus, A minus week for both of these guys. It was a B plus, A minus week, but I'll be honest, Herbert's game comes in right around a B for me. It, it, to me, in this game, the quarterback that played the best was probably Anthony Gordon. And, and if you got beat out by Anthony Gordon in this game, I mean, he had three touchdowns in the third quarter and was just lighted up with ball placement, showed a lot of good touch and was efficient. Uh, I don't want you fifth overall. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Yeah. That's actually absolutely true as far as Gordon. And I don't think we're going to see another Gardner Minshew when it comes, when it comes with him. Uh, with Herbert and Love, when it comes to Justin Herbert, and I, I've, I've said this for, for quite a while, I, there, there are a few things that – there are four or five plays in each game that I watch of him at Oregon. And I've seen, I've seen so many games of him over the last few years just wanting to like this guy, but I can't. And one example during the game – it took place on a second and 12 play and, and Herbert was six for six at this point with a touchdown and one, it was a dump off, but whatever he rolls out, he goes to the right, goes to the right, goes to the right, runs, tucks it down and slides for a two yard loss when he very easily could have thrown the ball out of bounds. That's the type of player I see all the time with Justin Herbert. I mean, we've said for years with when Ryan Tannehill was here that if just build the right offense around him, maybe he would have a little bit more of a chance. And the Titans seem to do that. I think if you try to build an offense around Justin Herbert, I don't, I'm not sure if it would work because I don't even think he can do the same things Tannehill did when he was here. The thing I dislike most about Herbert, and I know we're talking about the Senior Bowl, the week leading up to the Senior Bowl, when I go back and watch tape on Herbert in college, and, and I got asked about this on Twitter because I know I was pretty harsh on him a few weeks ago. The thing that I see when I watch Justin Herbert play is he puts a lot of balls in places that you may be able to get away with in college, but you're not going to get away with on a regular basis in the NFL. He throws a lot of interceptable balls that just didn't happen to be picked off. And a lot of them his guy caught. But the ball placement and where he puts it is not something he's going to get away with at the next level. And that's something that is going to utterly destroy him unless somebody can somehow coach up a guy that, as you put it, slides for a two-yard loss when he can throw the ball out of bounds. That doesn't scream coachable to me if you're a senior in college and still don't understand that basic facet of the game. Or it's just a lack of awareness of, of where he is on the field. And, again, we wouldn't be mentioning That's not it. good either. <laughs> yeah, that, no, it's not good. And, and it, we wouldn't be mentioning this if, if it weren't obvious in, in all the games we saw from him. You know, I, and the other part of me thinks maybe with Justin Herbert, we're overthinking this a little bit. The guy's, you know, six foot five, six foot six, 230 pounds, has a rocket for an arm, and he just needs to get – get to the right coach. I mean, that, that's the counter org argument for this, but I, I, I tend to see a player that is dropping little by little as the draft approaches, but somebody may fall in love with in the top five or 10 picks of the draft. He, he, and let's be clear, according to most reports, he had a very solid week and he had a very, very, he, he had very good interviews too, where he really spoke out against the stereotype that he was an introverted person. But 
I, I can't ignore what I see there on the on film about the just lack of feel for the game. Now, in the other part, Jordan Love, I think, does have a very good feel for the game. I mean, he's six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds, doesn't quite play to that size. And at Utah State this past year, twenty touchdowns, seventeen interceptions, but the skills and the tool set is definitely there. He can make every throw in the book. He moves his feet very well. And he's somebody that with a little bit of coaching, maybe in a Chan Gailey offense, could be could be a star in this league. He absolutely could. It's I struggle a little bit at the idea of taking him number five because of some of the risks involved when it when it comes to, to him. I struggle at the idea of, of moving up to get him, that's for sure. It's there's only one quarterback I'd move up to get in this draft. But I do think Jordan Love has a hell of a lot a lot more potential than, than Herbert does. And the issues I see with Jordan Love are a lot more coachable than the issues I see with Justin Herbert. And that's where he's he's definitely above and beyond for me. You bet. We've got a lot of time to talk about the quarterback position in the upcoming months. We'll We'll keep it right there for now. Another big part of this week was the the best overall player, at least non-quarterback best overall player at the combine, and that was Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds, and he play, he practiced on Tuesday and Wednesday and was just throwing people around, except for one interior lineman that we'll get to a little bit later. But you know, right now on my consensus draft board, and it's something that I put together every year that combines uh, throughout the draft process, eight different uh, draft nicks from Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay and, and several others. It, uh, it looks like with Javon Kinlaw, he's the 10th overall prospect on that board. And a lot of this was is because of how he played here and he practiced in the Senior Bowl. You know, he, he looks kind of like a DeForest Buckner type and somebody that in this defense next to Davin Gottschall and Christian Wilkins, if the Dolphins found any way to get him or trade up for him, or if he uncharacteristically, excuse me, fell to the 18th pick, maybe a steal there. It wouldn't be a stretch for him to still be there at 18. And that would be... Absolutely a steal, as you just just alluded to. I mean, to anybody other than Omar Kelly, who's impressed with who the big guy is, um, whatever his name is, um, just being a little tongue-in-cheek there for those that have seen some of that out on Twitter. Kinlaw is a dominant force in the middle, and that defensive tackle rotation that Miami would have, and I'm pretty sure Brian Flores would find a way to get all three on the field in some situations with Kinlaw, Christian Wilkins, and Davin Godshaw would be a complete and total force for Miami's defense. It would push that pocket back, which would allow Miami to do a little bit more fun things with, with some edge rushers if they get them that can just bend the corner and not have to worry about where that quarterback's going to be. So, I mean, he could completely add another facet to Miami's defense if they're able to grab him at 18. And to piggyback on that, too, if Javon Kinlaw, the Dolphins find a way to get him after they get the quarterback at five, if that happens, then I think you're going to see Kinlaw 
and Gotchaw and Christian Wilkins on the field for a lot of snaps, not just on first and second down, but on third down too. I think these are going to be the three pillars of your defense, and then from that point, they're going to use the outside linebackers and inside linebackers to to create pressure from that point as long as it's not uh, in addition to uh, all the other blitz packages that would be put in place. Absolutely. It's – I know we could talk about Kinlaw all day, but I I know we've got a ton of guys we want to get to. I mean, there's so many fun things they could do with Kinlaw. All right, so uh, Josh Jones at offensive tackle, interesting guy out of Houston. Uh, You know, this is somebody that that came into the week with a lot of interesting opinions on him because – I've never seen a player that should be pretty well defined by draft Knicks at this point that everybody's all over the board on. I mean, for example, uh, Dane Brugler from the athletics, somebody I like a whole lot has him as the 31st overall player in the draft. PFF has him as the 18th overall player, but Todd McShay and Tony Pauline have him as a fifth or sixth round pick. And you're talking about a four-year starter out of Houston who played in a very pass-heavy offense there at Houston. Now, he didn't come in uh, heavier or or as tall as I thought. He was 6'5 instead of 6'7, but he played left tackle, played right tackle during the week, also played right guard where he did this A.C. Slater type of body slam uh, against one of the defensive tackles there. I mean, right now, Josh Jones – for me, I, I've got to stand stand pat and say that if he's there at 18, I probably take him unless the Dolphins move up for a Javon Kinlaw. But a lot could change from from here until the draft. For me, I, I'd I'd wait till 26 for him. It's he he and Matt Pert both have their question marks, but the long term projection on, on on both of them I think is fairly similar. Uh, per, for Pert, it's it's somebody that needs to add a little mass and strength, and and a little bit of technique refinement. For Jones, it's he just I want I want to to like the guy, I really do, but he just feels like a question mark, and I can't always put my finger on it with him. It's and that that's 18 is a little too rich for my blood there. And I think he's probably gone by 26, but he could very realistically still be on the board. Yeah, I mean, based on what's set out there right now, I'm not sure where the guy goes. I mean, I, I've seen some players fall from, uh, especially at offensive tackle, fall from first round down to third, fourth round. I mean, uh, Morgan Moses a couple of years ago, there was a bad feeling about him, and he fell down. Orlando Brown a couple of years ago was a top 20 lock three months before the draft and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's fallen down to the end of the third round. So one thing I'm, I'm a little unsure about with Josh Jones is that he doesn't have a very wide base and he's been in a very pass heavy type of offense there. So it, it will be interesting to see how he performs at the combine and how he interviews. So those are the two main players, Ken law and Josh Jones that are non quarterbacks that people have been talking about here on dolphins, Twitter, but also, interior offensive line and edge rusher showed a lot of depth this past weekend. And at edge rusher, there are several players that really stuck out, especially for you, Paul. There really were. I mean, it, it's. Uh, I was hoping you were going to the interior offensive line, but we, we can go with the edge rusher first. 
I mean, Alton Robinson, we'll start with him. He he had a rough week, but he did show up a little bit in the game. I mean, there there were a lot of sacks from the edge in this game, and, and, and Robinson came up with two of those. But two guys that I've been taking, in a, or really three guys that I've been taking in a lot of mock drafts, and, and they're all very different players, but they can all get to the quarterback. Uh, Bradley and I will start with him. When he and Josh Uche were on the field, <clears throat> They just destroyed the pocket. They absolutely prevented anything for for Hurts, and and we really weren't even even able to get a feel for for Jalen Hurts in this game because these two were so disruptive uh, coming off the edge. I think they had back to back sacks that they combined for on two plays. Um, Anai was in there on three different sacks, and. and Really, I just I I've loved everything about him. I kind of wanted him to stay below the radar, but then you look on the other side of the field as well. It's it's you know the two of them played so well in sync with with Josh Uche. There just wasn't a pocket with the two of them on the field. There there was nothing that that the opposing offense could do because they were bending it so well out there. Uh, another guy that that really. Really, I've, I've liked, I've taken a little bit later in a lot of drafts, is Kenny Willickis. I believe he had two sacks in this game. He destroys the run. He has no, his, if you go off the measurables, it's going to be a joke. I mean, he's got short arms, which we all know. You can physically see it when he's standing there. He's not going to be the fastest guy out there, but the kid plays with a motor. He's got a great set of spin moves and feel for the game. And he's able to get off blocks. He's able to defend the run. And while he may not be that guy that wins the underwear Olympics, make no mistake, Willikis is a football player. He's one that's going to last a little bit later and allow you to strengthen that interior of the offensive line that we're going to get to because of the fact that he will still be on the board when they pick later. And he just he feels like a Flores-type player, somebody that just grabs their lunch pail, goes out there, and does their job. And, and if you watch him, you can't help but like what you see. Yeah, and when you look at the Dolphins have expected to be three fifth-round picks, that seems like the, the sweet spot for him as as far as, as being a rotational player. I mean, this is somebody of 20-and-a-half tackles for loss at Michigan State. And he had a lot of very good plays during the week, too. I mean, some – Somewhere he absolutely uh, d- demolished the offensive tackle, but there were also some plays where he got a little bit wiped out too. So, but he is a football player. You're, you're exactly right on that. And to piggyback on on a, a, a few of the edge rushers that that you mentioned there, I mean Bradley and I, when I turned on the tape of him, it's not so much of what he did during the senior bowl game, but I went back to the USC game and he went up against Austin Jackson, who's supposed to be a second or third round pick in this draft at left tackle. And I thought he really got the better of him. I mean, he, he can beat you in a lot of ways at six four, two sixty five, He can not only use his heavy hands to win inside and outside, he can run the arc. He can, drop back into coverage if need be. He seems like a Brian Flores player to me, too. And from the University of Michigan, Josh Uche, a real fire plug, undersized, and I think he's a little bit stronger than than people might believe. If you, if you watch him against uh, Tristan Wharfs and Alaric Jackson against Iowa, 
he, he's legitimately going at them and pushing them back if, if you watch the tape on him. Not to mention throughout the year, he's, he's dropping back into coverage too. And Zach Bond is somebody that I, I wouldn't put as high as Bradley and I, but Zach Bond was from Wisconsin, and we all know how much the Dolphins love these Wisconsin linebackers. Throughout the week, he made it very clear he's an off-the-ball linebacker. But he's also somebody, too, that had 13-and-a-half sacks and 13-and-a-half tackles for loss at the University of Wisconsin this past year. So a lot of interesting players along the front seven at the Senior Bowl week. But the interior of the offensive line throughout the week was shown the depth of what of what this class really has because going back to what the Dolphins have in the fourth and fifth round expected to have four picks between I don't know picks 130 and 180 and you could see Paul some guards and some centers maybe two of them uh, get picked by the Dolphins here based on what we showed this past week you really could and and I have to preface this with I know a lot of you heard me talk about Joe Burrow throughout the entirety of the season and the preseason even this past year. I know we've talked a lot about Kalevon Chason. I know we've talked a lot about Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton and, and a handful of others. I am not an LSU homer. Just Ed Orgeron has been doing something extremely special down there in the bayou. And God, they just have players after players after players in a way I've never even seen from Alabama walking into a draft. And that, that says a lot to me. Um, I turn on the tape with these guys, and it's not just when they're playing together as a team. But if you watched early in the Senior Bowl, and you watched Cushenberry and Damian Lewis playing together, it was like two Mack trucks leading the way for LaMichael Perrine. And... Uh, I've got the two of them written on a board down in my office with big circles around them. I mean, the first thing on my game notes for both of them is the word want in huge, huge, huge letters. So it, it's you watch that touchdown run by Perrine and what the two of them did leading the way for him. Unbelievably special. Yeah, it is. And it's not just what they did in the game there. It's it's not just how in sync they are as teammates, because they're probably going to be apart as teammates. But you're talking about two players that are 315 and 320 pounds and have been playing against big level competition. So it, to me, it's not with offensive linemen how much you just grill the person ahead of you. It's how infrequently you lose. And when you look at Lloyd Cushenberry and you look at Damian Lewis and you look at Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, who had a very good year as as a pass protector for, for the Buckeyes and also showed the same thing during the week, just rock solid. These are players that you might be able to get a little bit later. I think Cushenberry is probably going to end up being more that second round type of guy. But Damian Lewis, Jonah Jackson, these could be players that you find yourself getting in that you know third, fourth round area and, and turn out to be players that can contribute on day one. They really, really are. And with Miami needing to remake the offensive line, I, I see a guard like Damian Lewis 
and I know Jonah Jackson to a lesser degree. And it makes me a little more okay with it if Miami's only able to get either Scherf or Tooney uh, in free agency. Suddenly, I'm not upset with the line play. And that, that's probably the biggest compliment that I can pay to, pay to Damian Williams and, and to a lesser degree to Jonah Jackson is it's a hell of a consolation prize for not getting one of those guys. And what I think this offensive line could be with a Cushenberry and a Lewis or a Cushenberry and a Jackson um, combined with either a Tooney or a Scherf, it could be pretty special right in the middle, somewhere that's been very weak for the Dolphins for a very long time. It sure has. And a couple of fallers throughout the week, um, not just in the game, but really throughout the week, is uh, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. He's somebody that, you know, just doesn't seem to have the, the timing down. And when he was with Alabama, I thought he was an undraftable prospect. And then he went to Oklahoma, played lights out, had a great year. And some people were projecting him as high as first or second round. I, I never quite got there. I, I wouldn't touch him before round five. Jawan Jennings, as for as many receivers are, are stepping up here throughout the week, like Van Jefferson, like K.J. Hill, like Denzel Mims, he certainly did not. Uh, Jared Pickney from Vanderbilt continues to just have a nightmare of an offseason. And a, I mean, really over the last year. And he's probably been passed by Adam Troutman from Dayton, as well as Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic at tight end. On the defensive side of the ball, we've talked about a lot of these guys that have stepped up. Jason Strobridge from North Carolina looked great in drills. Six fives. Uh, you know, 280 pounds can play defensive tackle, can play defensive end, and, and looks like he can he can put some heat on the quarterback. So we'll we'll see how he tests out in the combine. In addition to that, and a cornerback, uh, Lamar Jackson, and saying uh, Busey from Wake Forest are two players I was expecting to take a very good close look at throughout the week, but they. The first two days were so bad for him, I didn't even want to look anymore. Um, but, you know, Paul, not a very eventful senior bowl this year. I mean, last year was exciting. You know, you had you had so many players step up. Not quite this year, but also not a lot of players declining either. No, and, and I will say, despite it not being the most exciting game, I mean, there were some exciting moments. There were some exciting moments during the week leading up. You mentioned K.J. Hill had a hell of a week leading up to the game, even though he had he had a fairly quiet game outside of the punt return game. Um, another guy that, that did add an exciting moment in this game, Troy Pride Jr., somebody that I, I've been big on the corner from Notre Dame. He's a guy that that's listed fairly late, almost in undrafted territory on a lot of folks' boards, at least leading up to this week. Had a hell of a week in practice with, and got out there in the game had a little bit of a gimme interception, but he almost took it to the house. And, and the kid is not the biggest corner. He's fast. He's got great hips, field vision, got a great feel for the game. And he's somebody that I really would love for Miami to take later in the draft if he's sitting there maybe with one of those fifth-round picks. Um, and then you look, there were a couple other guys I just wanted to mention. I know I mentioned Michael Perrine earlier. Very solid, underrated running back. Uh, completely looked the part in, in, in that first quarter uh, and when he, when he saw the field. 
somebody that I think could be part of a platoon for Miami, potentially even better than part of a platoon in some scenarios. So he's a guy to, to really keep an eye on out of this game. And then one thing that we've talked about a great deal this offseason and something that I think is a lot deeper than a lot of folks realize is the safety position. I know a lot of folks are high on Isaiah Simmons. The, the likelihood of Miami getting Simmons is, is fairly crap at this point. I don't think they get Simmons. I know there's talk about trying to take a quarterback at five. Simmons won't be there at 18. But a consolation prize, while he's not as good, could be Jeremy Chin, um, who yeah. is a complete and total flex piece out there. I know he's moving around on, on a few people's boards. Outside of that, you've got Jalen Elliott, who was paired with, with Troy Pride for Notre Dame, who had a very good game, very good week. And Kyle Duggar is somebody that is coming out of left field for a lot of folks. But really, you watch him play, you watch tape on Duggar, and the guy is a monster. And that's not even counting the safeties that are, that are out there and will be available in the mid to late rounds. Miami could potentially focus on the offensive line early in this one, which I know isn't exciting for a lot of folks, and be able to fill so many positions of need later on, as well as pad some positions of strength like wide receiver with guys like K.J. Hill and, and some of the others that will be there later that we saw in this game. So there are so many storylines to talk about out of this game. I know we can't hit them all. I just wanted to make sure we touched on these guys because there's a lot to like there. And some of these are guys that I've been high on and taking in a lot of the mock drafts I've done already. Yeah, typically, I, I always say that the Dolphins should not box themselves in to getting just drafting three or four offensive linemen. This year might be a little bit different. I mean, it, not just from what we've been talking about today, but in the first, you've got really special offensive tackles coming into this draft with, as far as how deep the class is. I mean, Andrew Thomas from Georgia, Tristan Wars from Iowa. I mean, uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama. I mean, and Makai Becton from Louisville. I mean, we could be talking about four offensive tackle talents in the top 10, and one of those has the likelihood of falling down to that 18th pick. And then you've got depth at the second round with guys like maybe Josh Jones, maybe Lloyd Cushenberry, and then third, fourth, fifth round with those pure guards, which the Dolphins also need. So this would be a possible year that I would be interested in using a lot of these picks on the offensive line and but a lot can change between now and then that will do it for our breakdown of the senior bowl and the week leading up to it you can follow Paul and I on Facebook Twitter Spreaker iTunes YouTube iHeartRadio and Spotify I'm Brian Cat NFL Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.